0: I am thoroughly excited uh, to start the six-week series with you called I Am His Story. Every single one of you, I truly hope that you believe that you are a part of God's bigger story. From eternity, he planned you, you are on his heart. And in his time and way, he worked through earthly means, through parents, to bring you to this time and place and history. And then in his amazing way, he worked through the Holy Spirit and the gospel and baptism to bring you to faith in him as your Lord and Savior. So no matter what you are going through, what journey is like for you right now, you are a part of his story. Did you know that research continues to show again and again and again how our brains are actually hardwired for story? That God created our brains to especially be connected and engaged with story. For example, one research was done by neuroscientist Yuri Hassan, at Princeton University. And in this study he found that actually a storyteller and a story listener, their brains actually connect. Uh, they call this phenomena neurocoupling, so that the hearer, as they're engaged in the story that's being told, actually start to see themselves in that actual story as it's unfolding. They are coupled that closely with it. And, and as part of that, too, when we are really engaged in a story, our brains also release three neurochemicals because uh, they are just so connected to story. Uh, the first chemical that released is a cortisol that really increases our ability to focus and stay engaged in every detail of that story as it's unfolding. Our brains also release oxytocin, which is our empathy chemical, allows us to connect with compassion to that story as we're putting ourselves in it. And then lastly, it also releases dopamine, which is like the candy store chemical to our brain. It's the pleasure, the sense, the excitement chemical. So during a very engaging story, which is why we often binge watch things now on Netflix or Amazon, all of this chemical process and coupling is going on up here. It's how our brains were created by their creator. So is there any wonder then why when the holy God willed that his actual words would be written down for us and passed from generation to generation that most of his words in the Bible are in what form? Story. Most of the Bible is in story form. One big continuous unfolding narrative. Why is that? <laughs> because he knows how we would best connect with what He wants to speak into our lives. And even when Jesus taught in the Gospels, most of Jesus' teachings were also couched in what? Story, right? Here's just one example. Matthew 13, right? As we read these words, do you see this beginning to play out in your mind? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's been hidden in a field, which a man finds. And then the man covers that treasure up. And then in joy, that man goes and sells everything he has so that he has enough money to go and buy that field. Did you have even little characters appear in your mind envisioning this go? as we were reading this story of the kingdom of heaven, a cognitive psychologist by the name of Jerome Brunner said story is so powerful that when we take facts and figures and data and we bathe them in story like some of the best TED Talks do, our brains are 22 times more likely to remember those facts and figures than if they were just given to us on their own. It's the power of story. So for these next six weeks, we are privileged to open both testaments of the Bible and we're going to see some stories. Stories of the community of believers, stories of individuals who can't help but share what God has done in their life. As part of this too then, we are going to have real life people from our St. Peter family sharing part of their story in each of these next 6 weekends. And as we do as we hear these stories in the Bible, as we hear the stories from some of our real family here at St. Peter, I want you to keep these three questions in mind for these next 6 weeks. How do you connect with their story? Secondly, where have you seen God's faithfulness in your own story, even in the darkest of dark times for you? And then lastly, how can God use your story as a platform for His glory as a means to grow you closer to him spiritually and also as an instrument to speak encouragement into the life of somebody else who might be going to something very similar in their own story. Today, uh, I love when we open the Old Testament uh, because it's just as current and applicable as the New So we're going to go to Psalm 66. It's an unnamed author. We don't know who it is. But the psalm starts with the whole community of God gathering together to just praise and worship him. Look at these words on the screen. It starts, make a shout to God all the earth. Praise the glory of his name. Say to God how all filled are your works. All the earth will bow down and worship to you and make music to you and to your name. And then look at this invitation. Come and see the works of God. His awe filled deeds towards the sons of men. In other words, the community of God is saying there, we have a whole stack of god signing cards where we have seen him at work again and again and again in our story. Come and let us tell you what he has done and is doing. And then as the psalm goes on, one of the God-siding cards brings up what God did for his people at the Red Sea when he delivered them from Egypt. And then it also goes on to, to mention what God did at the Jordan River when he stopped it in flood stage so his people could cross on dry ground into the promised land of Canaan. My favorite part of this psalm then comes at the end. While this whole community is gathered together, celebrating and worshiping God for all of their God sightings in the story, one individual in that faith community steps forward with his own invitation. And in verse 16, this individual says, Come and hear, all you who revere God. And I will declare to you what he has done for my soul. This individual believer says, you know, what? I have my own god sighting card where he has showed up once again in my own story. And I want to tell you about it. And then at verse 17, he says, My mouth called to God. Indeed, God heard. He gave attention to the voice of my prayer. We don't know what that circumstance was in that person's life. What crisis, what event was going on. But from that place, they were in distress. And they knew they had to cry out to God because He can do something about it. And what was God's response? He heard. And once again, in His faithfulness, God answered And now this person can't but help inviting all the believing community to come and hear what this amazing God just did for me. So, all from this, we are now privileged to invite a very, very special woman uh, up here from our St. Peter community. This is my dear wife, Angie. And she is going to share a part of her story and how even in some incredibly, incredibly dark, dark years, God was still there working in his faithfulness to redeem his daughter and to even lead her to a place of restoration. So thank you, hon, for being here. Is this on? Yes.
1: All right, here we go. Since I agreed to share parts of my story, I've been thinking about what I want the biggest takeaway to be. I really think at this point in my life, I'd like you through my story to be able to feel God's grace and also to remember that when you are in the valleys and in darkness and when you feel alone and abandoned, that you will be able to look back and see how the Lord was with you the whole time and how he moved the chess pieces for you. Uh, my story begins with my parents, obviously. Uh They were both Lutheran school teachers. And at the age of 25, my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And back then, the medications didn't work as well as they do now. And so he deteriorated rather quickly. And so six years later, uh, when they were 32, my dad had to go on disability and my mom had my brothers who were six, four, two, me as a newborn and her husband in a wheelchair. So moms, you can probably relate to how hard that probably was, right? It was a big challenge. Um, And then unfortunately at the age of four, uh, some neighbor boys unfortunately brought some abuse into our home and that was also a, a hard challenge. Uh, for about eight years, I was in the darkness there, and you know, my mom, my, all of my brothers were in different sporting um, teams, and, and so my mom would have to take my brothers different places, and so I was the secondhand man to take care of my dad, and so those years were spent with, um, with feeding him, and he couldn't see, so, Uh, You know, just it was just a challenging time for him, you know, and helping him go to the bathroom and change him, and so those were um, some really hard, uh, some hard years there, Um, but thankfully in middle school uh, life got a little bit brighter, and I started playing basketball, and just through my life in basketball, it was just kinda one of my awesome coping mechanisms, as well as my freshman year. Um, And then at the end of my freshman year, um, my dad unfortunately uh, died very unexpectedly in his sleep, and that morning was full of chaos and trauma and just really a nightmare and then after that our world was turned upside down because my mom for 20 years had taken care of my dad and we had all done that and so now what do we do you know my mom needed to find a job and health insurance and how do we pay for the house and you know I don't really remember much of that year that year was kind of a fog Uh, But then at the end of my sophomore year, my mom invited me to go out to dinner to meet her friend. And so I got to meet Larry and I was thinking to myself, oh man, what's gonna happen when he meets my brothers, right? And uh, unfortunately that night, uh, my mom started throwing up and the next day and the next evening I took her to the emergency room. And Larry was there, and very quickly they said, you need to get your brothers here. Your mom has had a brain aneurysm, and her brain is bleeding, and she's not going to make it through the night. So that was really hard that night. was a long night. Um, She thankfully made it through the night. And the next day they said, if she makes it to the morning, the brain surgeon will operate, but we're not sure if she will be paralyzed, if she'll lose her speech. And uh, we didn't really know what was going to happen, but uh, that was one of our first miracles. And and she survived her brain surgery with no after effects and uh, is living a, a really healthy life now. And with that, she survived, right? So Larry and my mom professed their love to each other and said, if you live, we're gonna get married, right? And so at the beginning of my junior year, my oldest brother got a job and moved away and my second brother moved down south and with his wife and had a baby and then my other brother went off to college and my mom was married to Larry at the beginning of my junior year and he moved into our home. And for any of you that have um, divorce or blended families, you can imagine how what a transition that was, and and how difficult that was. But um, we did pretty good for a couple of years, right? It was it was hard a couple of years, um, depression and darkness. But I just threw myself into basketball, basketball, basketball. I wanted to get a basketball scholarship, and thankfully at the end of my Senior year, I was awarded a basketball scholarship at a small Division III school, Concordia, Ann Arbor. I wanted to be a Lutheran school teacher, so I was very excited about that. I signed my scholarship on Tuesday, and on Sunday, I was at the park with some of my friends sitting on a sidewalk, because the grass was damp, and a teenage girl driving a minivan lost control and hit the gas instead of the brakes. And jumped the curb and landed on my back. I was sitting Indian style and landed on me and dragged me for 20 feet. And, you know, my head—I had a terrible concussion and my teeth were crushed and my ankle was crushed and I broke my right arm and my hip was dislocated and burns and abrasions and my heart hit my chest cavity so hard that it was a regular heartbeat. And so it was really touch and go there for a little while. And I was unconscious a lot of the time because the pain was pretty intense. But when I was conscious, I remember everything. It was pretty insane. I could talk about it with you for hours because that's how pretty neat it was. But I can remember being in the emergency room and the nurse said, um, have you met your parent? Have you seen your parents yet? I was thinking my parents. And so my mom and Larry walked in, and I said, Mom, what happened? Where was I? You know, and she's talking to me. And as I'm fading into unconsciousness, I felt this pressure on my shoulder. And I heard this, you know, this calming peace come over me. And I heard, you know, these are your parents. As I slipped into unconsciousness. And that recovery was quite a journey. And and Larry was there the whole time. I, I couldn't even sit up. He would hold me as they scrub my back and through all my surgeries and pick lines and I would be screaming and hollering and my mom would be out in the hallway crying and he would be there. And uh, that was just another miracle because now 32 years later, mom, then dad, if you're watching, I hope it's 32 years, but um, he is now my dad, right? And uh, thankfully next weekend, we get the honor and the privilege to move them from Michigan to be with us in our home and to now take care of them. So that has been just another blessing for us. Yeah, is someone clapping over here? Amen? Yeah, there we go. Amen. <laughs> um, but those were also the days when the accident, when they, as many of you know or can relate, that they were giving out painkillers like candy, right? And so that is uh, when the abuse started with substances with the painkillers throughout, and and that's been quite a journey as well, but I made it through college, my basketball coach is amazing, recovered, got to play a little bit at the end of my career, and he taught me lots of good things, and then I was able to meet Randy, which is another blessing and miracle, and as many of you know, we just celebrated 25 years in St. Thomas, which has been amazing, and, but, you know, along those 25 years, there's definitely been some peaks and some, some definite valleys and darkness, and you know those of you who um, deal with PTSD and trauma and chronic pain and depression—you uh, can relate to how that darkness can just suck you in. And even though you know you try so hard, and you know so many uh, peaks and blessings. You know my children are here, and we had some some good times um, with our first congregation, Holy Cross in New York. Um, but then when we left New York and we came here, you know, I left a job and all of the friends who we raised our children with, and we came here and just I lost all of my support from New York, and it was a, a very a challenging time. And then COVID hit, right? And y'all know how isolated we were with COVID, and so those were some some really hard times and um, problems with substance abuse and in depression and darkness and we came to a turning point and we were like what are we going to do and god miraculously again moved different chess pieces and i was able to go down to florida to a place called the refuge for six weeks that really helped me break the chains of the traumas and the ptsd and uh, you know, just breaking the chains of the devil that the devil had on me, and uh, walking into the light. And you know, when you bring things from darkness into the light, that is extremely freeing. And so it was just a blessing. And and now uh, we are enjoying our best life.
0: Yeah, and then while, uh, while she was at the refuge for six weeks, uh, near the end of it, the former principal here called her and oh, said, hey, really we is. have a math position. And she's like, you know, I'm at the refuge, right? Working mm-hmm. on treatment and recovery. And they're like, yeah. Uh, and so God just used that to get her ready for his next season here. And mm-hmm. what a support family this church has been coming out of her time at the refuge.
1: Yeah, I forgot that. I made it through all three of the other services saying that. I forgot at this one. But, yes, St. Peter, Randy was called here to St. Peter, and then I was able to get a job here as well. And what an honor and privilege and blessing it has been to be here, a part of with all of you and our family here. It's just been an immense blessing.
0: hmm Uh, and then at the end of we have uh, something kind of special to show you we just again went to st. Thomas for a few days to celebrate 25 years together and this journey Uh, and she did something that she wanted to do for many years but wasn't at the place to do it until uh, where she is now Uh, and so she came back our last day from st. Thomas she came back with two more tattoos Uh, and I want to show you uh, those tattoos because they tell the story Uh, and she'll tell you what sola gratia is and then also never again
1: yeah these tattoos are a long time coming and i've wanted to get the grace one forever but i i really needed to feel that grace and believe it and 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 just you know the darkness brings you back in but i can clearly say now that grace alone that saved me which is um, by his grace and then never again is that I'm never going to pick up again. We forgot to say that tomorrow marks 31 months, clean and sober. So I'm mm-hmm. super excited about that. And uh, um, I'm not going to let the darkness uh, bring me back in. We're going to stay in the light.
0: Yeah. Or those abusers have control, control over it. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you either. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so what, what a story uh, that continues to unfold. Um, but if... if If someone here was in one of those dark places now or something, if you could just say one word of encouragement to them, what would that be from your journey? One word, one thing. Mm hmm whether uh, abuse, yeah, or I would say find, find the depressing.
1: support and uh, come to the light. And just the more you talk about it, the easier it gets. When it stays quiet and you say, keep it a secret, it is not good for you. Bring it to the light.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the cool thing. That's actually what Epiphany is about, uh, the coming of the Magi, God revealing the light of Christ to the nations. Uh, and, and the light, right? That's where our life and light is uh, I want to just ask is there I know this is kind of on the spot spontaneous is there anyone here a person a couple a family who might want to come up and just have a short prayer over Angela as she continues in God's story of redemption from her past and restoration the hard work of restoration does anyone want to come forward and just have a short prayer over her a blessing
1: there they go, all right. That was a lot faster than the other services. This is, <laughs> it was there's, making me nervous. Time,
0: there's, actually, there's a lot, lot uh, more to yeah. this story. <laughs> uh, and this was a very PG version. Uh, but it's just as real and strong. So. All right.
2: <laughs> I'm not a first responder, but I appreciate their work. Mm. And we appreciate the work of our Heavenly Father, Who loves all of us regardless of our color our sex he loves us he created us we are his and he did not desert Angie he was with her always and he provided the ability for her to see the light his spirit never deserted her And we are the recipients of this wonderful person in our midst, helping our children and supporting our pastor. And Lord, we thank you for Angie. We ask you continue to keep her strong in her faith. We ask you to be with us all, children of God. Bless us all, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you Thank you so much. I want to uh, close with the last verse of the psalm where after again God just showed up in the life of this psalmist in a time of need and answered his prayer and heard it. Here's what the psalmist leaves us with. Uh, he says, Blessed be God who did not turn aside my prayer nor did he turn aside his steadfast love from me. Uh, And I want to leave you all with those words that no matter where you are at in your story as part of his bigger story, this is the God who will never push you away. No matter what you are going through, he will not abandon your plea, your cry to him, and nothing in your story will ever make him love you any less. Uh, And you know that because we are a part of his story, we know how our story ends. And that is in the redemption of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that is in the full restoration that Jesus has already begun in us now, and he's going to bring to completion on the day when he comes back in all his glory. That is how every single one of our stories will end. His redemption. And full restoration as you think about that I just have some here in practice questions uh, to leave you with how do you connect with the stories you heard today either from Psalm 66 or from Angie where did you hear God's faithfulness in their story where are you hearing his faithfulness in your own story and then lastly how is Christ Using their story, no matter how dark, as a platform for His glory, there's no greater purpose. To draw you closer to Him, to strengthen your faith in Him through the hard times, as well as to speak encouragement to someone else who might be going through a similar experience in their own story. Take some time to reflect on those. If you're with someone, have some conversation, and then we'll continue in just a moment.